So, like, I couldn't think of a really appropriate clip to capture this episode. So I'm just going to play you my favorite bit from the entire MCU. That's why it was really hard to find one. Long time no see. Beers on the bucket. Feel free to log into the Wi-Fi. No password, obviously. Thor, he's back. That kid on the TV just called me a dickhead again. Noob Master. Yeah, Noob Master 69. Called me a dickhead. Noob Master, hey, it's Thor again. You know, the God of Thunder? Listen, buddy, if you don't log off this game immediately, I'm gonna fly over to your house, come down to that basement you're hiding in, rip off your arms and shove them up your butt! Oh, that's right. Yes, go cry to your father, you little weasel. Thank you, Thor. Hey, let me know if he bothers you again, okay? Thank you very much. I will. And welcome to the Cinema Psych Podcast, the podcast where psychology meets film. I am your host, Dr. Alex Swan, and if you haven't detected it yet, I'm a little congesty. Um, so prior to the recording of this episode, uh, I got the good old COVID-19 um, and I, I mean, good old, obviously said tongue firmly in cheek. I, uh, was first time positive, dodged, ducked, dipped, um, dived and dodged for two plus years. And it finally got me. I think, um, one of my kids gave it to me. I thought, uh, my immune system was better than that. Anyways, we are gonna, uh, just power on through that. I apologize that I said, if I sound a little nasally and it makes this a little bit more unpleasant <laughs> i would feel the same no i'm just kidding i don't know if i would ever turn somebody off because they sounded too nasally and so i will judge you if you stop listening because i sound too nasally yeah you know some sacrifices had to be made probably one of the topics uh of our of our chat tonight as i said in the intro we are doing the marvel cinematic universe in this episode so the entire set of 20 plus almost 30 films i think is what it is i don't even i don't even know we're we're talking about 2000 from 2008 to ongoing in 2022 the thor um Love and Thunder coming out uh, about a month from uh, a little bit more than a month from the time that this episode is published. Wild. So uh, we'll say Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you know, through 2020, 2021, since that was sort of like a shared year because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So, yeah, we're talking about the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like I said, 2008. Uh, Hulk, the or excuse me, the Incredible Hulk. Uh, Hulk was the Ang Lee version from tw- uh, 2003. 2008, the Incredible Hulk, technically the first movie um, of this, but also uh, like timeline wise, but like it came out after uh, Iron Man. Any, anyways, Iron Man, 
The Incredible Hulk, the first two movies of the shared universe. Um, and then uh, we, we get we get Thor. Then we get Captain America, the first Avenger. Then we get you know uh, the Avengers. I missed I missed somebody in there. I'm oh we, Iron Man two was in 2010. That's right. So I'm not gonna go through all of the movies. You're probably familiar with this franchise, and if you're not. Um, I would like to know what rock you've been living under and how bad are your eyes in the light? Because I'm a I'm a more on the cognitive bio end of psychology. I like uh, always coming back to those basic sense, senses. How are your eyes? Anyways, uh, so you're probably familiar with this set of movies. Uh, we get the Avengers in the early 20-teens. That's the end of Phase 1. And then Phase 2 takes us through uh, the, uh, the Avengers 2. So there's a few more in there. The dreadful Thor 2. Thor the Dark World. Mm -mm. Dreadful, dreadful film. Uh, and then uh, it's Phase 3, which is uh, takes you all the way through to um avengers endgame or technically spider-man far from home which came out afterward but still like the culmination should be avengers and it's weird how phase four ended but in any case uh that was the infinity saga those three phases and then we're now in this phase four which is just like let's make it as weird as um humanly possible with uh the new films that have come out like dr strange and the multiverse of madness or the tv shows we're gonna you know the tv shows on disney plus are also part of the mcu i don't know how much they will factor into this because they're television shows although some might be considered you know really long movies eh, they were a television show so they won't factor as much because this is cinema psych you know, we are very hoity-toity up in here. So we are going to keep that as a, as a films-only kind of uh, discussion and probably focus on many of the main characters that you've been familiar with in, um, in, in this thing that's been going on for like 14 years. So birth child of Kevin Feige, who is the executive producer, uh, big guy in charge at marvel studios owned by disney obviously you should also know that too and the stars that you're likely familiar with as well <laughs> i don't know how much uh, more of the familiar with that i could do but um before you're like oh, stop saying it anyways big names like robert downey jr as iron man slash tony stark uh, chris evans as uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, Chris Hemsworth uh, as Thor, Odinson, uh, and then we've got some of the smaller, so those are the bigger names, some of the smaller characters, but big in their own rights, of course, with Samuel Jackson, Dick Fury, uh, Natasha Romanoff is played by Scarlett Johansson. I don't know why I keep changing the order of this, sorry uh, that I don't have parallel construction here. Um, and, uh, oh, my favorite, Phil Coulson, um, played by Clark Gregg, of course, 
the one and only. Uh, and then we've got, uh, oh, yeah, um, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner slash Hulk, you know. And then a bunch of tertiary characters through the world, you know, as the world building got a lot bigger, you know, with the Guardians of the Galaxy um, and um, Carol Danvers being played by Brie Larson, you know, Scott Lang and Ant-Man uh, played by Paul Rudd, of course. You know, the list could go on and on. I, I don't think you care about um, I don't think you care. Uh, about knowing all of the movies and and who starred in each of them and who directed each of them and 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 uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go through all of that. I would say Kevin Feige is the like is the mastermind. While each of the directors have had uh, a significant amount of creative license within their own film and or series of films if they did more than one Kevin Feige was really like no I need you to tell the story like this you're free to put your embellishments on it and your style as a director but but the writers and I have an idea here and so this is what you're gonna do I think I think that's the heart of it and so a lot of the a lot of the characters themselves have been written by multiple people, and so they sound different in movie to to next movie. So, I mean, in, for me, Captain America, well, Chris Evans has a pretty consistent performance over the course of, you know, 10 years. I, I, I think his dialogue gets much better as we move away from the Joss Whedon um, years at the beginning in phase one. So... You know, there's there there are inconsistencies and consistencies within inconsistencies, and we're we're gonna talk broadly about characters throughout movies because again, franchise, um, franchise is too hard to pick on. But we're gonna broad themes that kind of stuff in this episode, and I've got two great guests, so let's jump right in. My guest hosts today are Drs. Sai Islam and Gordon Schmidt. Sai is the co-founder and vice president of consulting with Talent Metrics and associate professor of industrial organizational psychology at Farmingdale State College. Sai has over 15 years of experience providing data analytic training and organizational development support to organizations in a variety of workplace settings. His consulting work was recognized by the Society for Industrial Organizational Psychology, SIOP, when he won the Scientist Practitioner Presidential Recognition Award for his focus on science-driven practices in training and talent development. Ooh, mouthful. Gordon now. <laughs> Gordon is a professor of management and the director of the David and Sharon Turrentine, everyone loves their name on stuff, School of Management at the University of Louisiana, Monroe. I'm sure I said that completely wrong to a Louisianan. He researches leadership, the future of work, virtual leadership, the gig economy, and corporate social responsibility. He consults with organizations on these topics as well. He wrote a book on teaching leadership through Marvel superhero films, a lot of what we're going to talk about today, and edited a book on social media use in employee selection. He's currently writing a book on teaching leadership through Avatar The Last Airbender. He also teaches courses in leadership and human resources. I'm done talking for the episode, y'all. 
<laughs> Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you for having us. This was this was great. I can, you know, we we can just live on the intro for now. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I appreciate that. Gordon, welcome. Well, great great to be here. So, I'm happy to have you guys on because we did a little dosy do when um I think it was Clementi Diaz, one of your colleagues in IO, um had known me from STP stuff. And uh, the Society for Teaching of Psychology. If you don't know that acronym by now, listener, then I, I there's no hope for you. But he does work in there. And I so we knew each other on Twitter and then he knew you guys on Twitter. And then you, you all have a mutual friend named Nick Baldwin. And uh, he loves movies and talks about them on Twitter. And I'm like, I that's amazing. Yeah. Where? Where were these guys like five years ago? Anyways, and so um, I caught up with you two on the Twitter, and it's been history ever since. Or history, uh, yeah, I guess it has been. And then Sai, you reach out to me um, about the podcast, and I and trust me, I love it because I'm usually one reaching out to people, and when my job is done for me, I'm sure you IO folks know that you know I'm going to be a happy panda. So, man, wild story. Really cool, though. Um, now that the school year is over, I did want to ask you um, how, how the end of your years went. Gordon, I think your end of year was much more interesting than mine because I was on sabbatical in the spring. So oh. things were really chill. Yeah, yeah. No, just since, uh, you know, the semester ended and then I uh, moved to northern Louisiana mm -hmm. and we've got uh, a five month old baby. Um, congratulations so it was a lot, and we had to move two dogs and a cat as well um, <laughs> I can understand so it was, that it was pretty nuts overall mm -hmm. um i think the semester went pretty well uh with with my classes and all that but we just got yeah. a point where we're like crap we gotta like actually be ready and you know pack all this stuff to, so the movers can take it on time so a lot a <laughs> lot of work a lot a lot of concern <laughs> of uh getting everything together but oh and buying a house too so right and too, which is so which is what you're in right now right <laughs> yep yep very so, cool so where were you well. before um, um purdue university fort wayne so it was a uh, okay the department of organizational leadership there okay um, so, so you that went was my from... first job out of uh, out of graduate school from uh, right. michigan state so okay so you were just up in northern indiana and then yep. you had to move to northern louisiana quite the shift Northern part of a state, you know, same thing. Quite the <laughs> shift. Yeah, it's pretty different. <laughs> I think yeah, difference is an understatement. You don't live in a county anymore. A parish. We live in a parish. Yeah, you live in a oh, parish. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, that's uh, what their I counties are called. Parish, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's my understanding. We've been here, you know, five seconds, so we don't know much. First time ever <laughs> going through Arkansas. Um, I don't know if you've driven through Arkansas from north to south, but nope. there's a lot of abandoned farm on some of those roads. Uh, and Google Maps hates the road that actually has a big highway that nobody's on. They kept rerouting us, and we got on it once going back up, and it was so lovely. But, you know, four-lane highway, both directions, high speed. Google Maps hates it and refuses to use it. I, I don't know, man. We tried. We never wow. successfully came down that road. It sent us, and it kept being like, there's a better route. There's a, I don't know how it's a better route. It was... <laughs> A four-lane highway that was fast and easy. Um, so 
I don't know. Was it wasn't ideal. So we saw multiple random roads in Arkansas coming north to south. <laughs> <laughs> Would have liked to see the cool parts of Arkansas. Um, yeah, I'll be that's going to Little Rock for Southern Management Association in October. So I'll see more more of Arkansas versus like the back roads they made they set, kept sending me on for unknown reasons. Little Rock, <laughs> a place I wouldn't think of conventions being. Sai, uh, what did you do on your sabbatical? Uh, it was a lot of writing, a lot of catching up on on research that had piled up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of like you know outlining, working on things, uh, and it was it. I I needed it to be honest because I've had a bunch of different uh, research projects that have you know even even Gordon and I we still have like at least two other projects, two other papers that have to come out. And I was working on some of that. We've got like, um, you know, we have one about Twitter and leadership uh, that I'm hopefully going to get back to in in a couple of weeks. Uh, We've got another paper about kind of um, gig workers uh, that we're working on. We had a paper about memes uh, that we're working on. And then I had uh, some research that I do on qualitative stuff that I've been working on. I was working with one student um, during the semester. Uh, on a qualitative research study on healthcare reviews. So one of my papers is about how people do reviews uh, about or give feedback about their experiences with, um, you know, with the healthcare system, with hospitals. Uh, oh, and one, you know, one plug before it goes too late is teaching of psychology. We published a paper on memes that's on yes, that's right. using with Jess Hartnett. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So check it out. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was a psychology Twitter team up. That was like the, you know, the Avengers yeah. of memes getting together. I love and, it. It's amazing. You know, yeah. So, you know, it's on my reading list. It's on my reading list. And these days, my reading list is fairly short um, with psych stuff because I'm actually spending a lot more time reading about film, um, like film analysis and film studies. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping there's a film certificate in the future for me, but we'll see. I, I took intro intro uh, film. So. If you have any questions about intro film let me know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah uh so let's pivot to speaking of that segue let's pivot to our uh topic for today the marvel cinematic universe i said at the top uh, of the show that um we're gonna keep this to the films so we're gonna ignore some of the tv shows this is this ain't no tv show program so we're gonna ignore the Disney Plus stuff that's come out uh, in the MCU, Te- you know, technically MCU. Uh, but, and so we're going to keep it to the films. So we're going to discuss the films, you know, the brainchild, the baby of Kevin Feige. And so what I want to get before we jump into some of the psych uh, aspects of some of these characters and, you know, cross films are your initial thoughts of the film uh franchise itself uh what you liked what you didn't like and then we'll we'll jump into some more specific stuff so Sai, why don't you go ahead sure so i have a very strange perspective on these uh movies because you know i'm in my 40s i remember watching some really horrendous uh marvel adaptations even just comic book adaptations i remember seeing some really bad ones so my perspective for the most part is marvel cinematic universe is very good uh, their batting average in terms of success, in terms of quality, is extremely good. So I'm I'm always I, I spend way too much time online uh, reading what people have to say, and a lot of times I see these really 
you know, kind of young kids, young whippersnappers, and they're like, these these <laughs> movies are not going anywhere. And I'm like, guys, I lived through Batman and Robin when it first came out. Yeah. Um, whatever, you know, whatever your thoughts are on the more recent, you know, Marvel output, it's still better than what what we had. Like we we were starving at the end, and now, you know, seemingly geeks have won, right? Um, yes, uh, I think that's why nerds has become, you know, the you, it's not an insult anymore. Like yeah. it, 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 we have taken back Homer's nerd <laughs> uh, <laughs> meme, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's my badge of honor right there. Yeah. Now nerds are part impression. of the problem, unfortunately. But. Right. <laughs> because we, that's, that's what we, we don't know to stop. They got too much power. But yeah, you know, in terms of like what I like, um, I one of the things I'm most impressed with, just overall impressions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is you do get to track growth for especially for for psych professors. You get mm-hmm. to see change over over time. And usually in movies, movies especially, you know, you don't get to see a ton of change happen. Usually a movie shows like one or two things changing about a person. Right. Um, but the really interesting thing about Marvel uh, is that it contains some elements of of kind of binge watching TV shows, right? So right. those, you know, we we get really caught up in something like Breaking Bad, where you can watch Walter White go from you know mild mannered school teacher into spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Breaking Bad, evil mastermind, right? right. And so huh. you get to see these changes happen with a Tony Stark or a Captain America or a Black Widow, and you get to see where that character was in the beginning. And you get to watch them change and grow over time. And so I think that's really been one of the highlights of the MCU. I'm really impressed with the level of continuity that they've been able to maintain and the level of, you know, um, not throwing things out that aren't, aren't necessarily working, but maybe reworking things that are, you know, that people are responding to more. I think, you know, Black Panther is my, my favorite uh, MCU movie. I think mm-hmm. the low point of the of the MCU is either you know, Incredible Hulk, I'm not a huge fan of, or I, <laughs> I recently watched this, um, this movie again, because my wife is a completist. She wanted to see the, all the Thor movies before sure. the new one came out. So we watched Thor, the dark world. Right. And that was it's rough. demonstrably the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, you know, I like, I watched it a week ago and my brain is not acknowledging that I, that I watched it. So, <laughs> It gets it gets brought up quite repeatedly in our household as the uh, as the worst one. So I I definitely feel you there. And I think most people do. The funny thing about it being like demonstrably the worst film for me is that when you see people do their rankings and I don't know, stars or even like, um, you know, grades. So one of my friends does grades. He still gives it like a C minus. So it's not even that like it's weird because it's like most people agree that it's the worst and yet it's still not an F, right? Yeah. Gordon, how about you? Yeah, well, I'd echo, you know, a lot of what I said about the quality of these movies, like growing up comic book nerds, you know, in the 90s, uh, just the, the idea that there'd be any of these films was was hard to believe. Right. Um, and, you know, it sort of brought it up to another level. So when you think about something like when the X-Men movies came out or the, Sp- the Spider-Man movies came out, it, the fact that those were like decent really just was shocking turn of events. Right. Um, and the fact that they sort of petered out, obviously the 
the pinnacle of Spider-Man movies is Spider-Man three. What were you going to do after Tobey Maguire and his dance? Right. Um, but you know, <laughs> um, but they, there wasn't like a next step, right? The MCU has somehow kept that progress going where it really feels like things matter or are helpful. Um, and I think that that's such a high quality, like the idea that we have Thanos and the infinity gauntlet becomes a real thing. That's this big across multiple movies aspect. I didn't think that was happen. Would happen. The fact that comic, the, you know, Cy talked about this character growth. Mm-hmm. That's the whole bag on comics. Yeah, right? right. Peter Parker is always the same age across time. Nothing ever really changes. Uh, you know, Superman dies, but he's going to be back next week anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but these movies legitimately like killed off a bunch of the cast at the end and really had some impact, which I think is is kind of crazy. It's hard to believe that that's the case um, because, yeah, you just every 10 or 15 years, you reboot Spider-Man with somebody new. You tell some of the same stories, you introduce the same characters. Right. Right. And so the MCU has really made it something that continues. Um, you know, as as we said, I think it is something that sort of spoiled it for people in terms of quality level, like the expectations of people are so right. high that these movies have to connect. They have to be great. They have to have the stakes. Uh, and this is something with, I think, the Ant-Man movies, for instance, uh, is that I know people that are like, you know, Ant-Man movies, they suck because they're not have enough impact. Ant-Man's got to be like fighting Thanos or moving the big plot forward for it to matter enough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think the first Ant-Man movie, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. That's that Scott Lang character and taking Han- Hank Pym, who's always problematic and jerk and making yeah. him Michael Douglas, who's a jerk and not the superhero is great. It's a great way to do it. And the second movie's got interesting ideas, but it came out at a time where like we're getting ready for the big stuff. Why are we wasting time with with this? And so it's kind of an interesting way that it kind of plays out where we've got these really high expectations and people get, you know, Mephisto better be here. Otherwise this whole series was a failure. We're not talking TV shows, so I won't get into uh, more of that, but it's really interesting to see how much the bar has raised uh, on this type of stuff. When before we were just happy, Oh, you made an X-Men movie and it was good. That's, that's all I need. I need one X-Men movie. Right. Um, I'm, you know, one X-Men movie. That's good. X two which doesn't hold up. Sorry, everybody. I watched that. And X3, which I don't know, had 12 plots or something, didn't make a bit of sense at times. Some interesting ideas, right? Uh, But the MCU, like the MCU movies are all, you know, of a high level quality and very enjoyable in the moment. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a um, an example to replace with the so we don't talk about TV shows, but the sort of stunt casting cameo that was done most recently in uh, multiverse uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, and the, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who I'm not going to. I know the movie's been out for all about a month now, but, you know, it's, there's some stunt casting in it. And there's some also really good casting in it from my uh, perspective. Um, oh, actually, mm-hmm. this one's not spoiled because they spoiled themselves. This was um, uh, Haley Atwell coming back as. Uh, Peggy Carter, but this time as Captain British Britain, <laughs> Captain British. Oh my God! Yeah. As Captain Britain, we're ready to pitch. I'm Marvel. Call us. We will write Captain British <laughs> for you. 
Oh, We're ready to do some, uh, a, yeah. a captain in the uh, Royal Air Force who <laughs> only just says British idioms. That can do that it. actually that could work because there's enough British slang. Right. Uh, you know, we would just have to avoid the C word because they use it a lot more. than. That's we true. Do, That's so. very true. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, going back to um, Gordon's point about um, that we're that we're exponentially increasing expectations as one of some of the downside with um, what's going on as we continue through phase four and into whatever phase five is. I don't even know what's going to happen with the end of phase four at this point, but only Kevin Feige knows. Anyways, yeah, it's sort of the stunt casting. So it's like fans have asked for more and more and more, and they're like, oh, we're trying to deliver. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah that, that's true i mean we were just talking about and um, before the show started we we're talking about captain america winter soldier and the fact that like one of the most amazing things is that you have somebody at the level of robert redford popping up in a mcu movie when that happened especially that mcu movie right. because if you've seen three days of the condor for him to play that character is a total 180 um, because it's, you know, that movie works like an espionage thriller, you know, three days of the condor is a great espionage thriller. So Alex, your homework is to go home and watch, uh, you know, to watch right. that. Uh, I expect a 500 word paper, uh, in two weeks. Uh, so, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, but it really, that, that casting really works. And I think that, and even, even Michael Douglas in Ant-Man, sure. It's, you could say it's stunt casting, but the casting in the movies across the board has been really yeah. good. They've been able to find character actors who embody some element of these, these characters sure. so that they're identifiable to us so that we can actually see them and say like, yeah, that's Captain America. Yeah. You know, that's Iron Man. You know? Yeah. Chris Evans has always struck me as one of the best Chris's right of the Chris's. Mm -hmm. So, and once one of the Chris's isn't even in the MCU. So how much does he count? But he also is better than the other Chris. So, uh, it's hard. It's really hard, for sure. Okay, gentlemen, let's jump into some of the specific qualities that we jumped onto the show to talk about, which is, um, as I mentioned in uh, the intro for Gordon, that y'all have a Marvel leadership kind of book. And I want to jump in, I want to dive in to that. So, uh, Gordon, you want to get us started on what this book is about and some of the themes and um, psychological ideas uh, or leadership ideas you found? Yeah, yeah. And we'll start sort of with the secret origins, because that's something that comic books do all the time. <laughs> um, but sort of, the, you know, the secret origins of the book is kind of Cy and I have done quite a bit of research and writing and uh, stuff on outreach for psychology and industrial organizational psychology. Uh, yeah. And so we talked about how important it is to get our ideas translated out there right. and understandable. You know, a journal article can often have a very small reach, even at a great journal. Right. Because it's behind a paywall and it's written in a way that's inaccessible to the common man. And for some of those papers, frankly, for me, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I remember one we read in graduate school. They're like, this is one of the most brilliant models of personality. No one quite understands it. But it definitely is brilliant. I, how do we know it's so brilliant? I don't know. I guess the we just like that dude's brilliant enough. It must because it's work. profound. I don't know. It how. Must be deep, right? 
<laughs> this wasn't a joke, right? It was an actual statement that you won't understand it. Nobody does, but it's the, it's the best way to understand personality. I, I don't know how. <laughs> it sounds like a meta MBTI right now. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that idea of outreach and examples, uh, you know, Cy and I both use stuff like Marvel characters and clips from pop culture in our classes. Uh, and so when this opportunity came up, this uh, book series by Emerald Publishing, uh, exploring leadership th uh, through popular culture, uh, it really sort of spoke to us as something that kind of fits with those ideas of outreach and trying to get these ideas in an accessible format. And so when we heard about that series, and there's a book on Star Wars, there's a book on Middle Earth, both written by uh, Mike Urich, great books. I've read them multiple times teach a lot about leadership. That's great. Uh, we really thought, well, the Marvel movies would be great for this um, because we think they show a lot of great aspects of leadership that we can use for examples in both good and bad direction, right? And so a lot of times when we hear about topics like leadership, we just hear about famous CEOs that were successful or generals, and we say, hey, be like this dude, right? And we don't know whether that's a good idea. It usually isn't. Half the time, the dude is actually a big jerk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? And it's not helpful. It doesn't apply in your situation, right? It's just for these brilliant and perfect in every way paragons of virtue. They're the leader. And sometimes people are talking about Elon Musk, and you have no idea how why they think that's the yeah. case based on any of the information you've looked yeah. at, right? Uh, and so that's what I think is nice of the Marvel characters is they're flawed. And we can see those flaws and we can talk about them and use them to talk about stuff like conflict management. What, what are the psycho, psychological aspects of conflict? How do we deal with stress? Because somebody like Iron Man, Tony Stark can be seen as having characteristics of PTSD. Yep. You can see stress effect. Right? Yeah. And theories of leadership like uh, shared leadership, uh, servant leadership. These are things that we can see in these movies. Um, and that's something as well. When we talk about leadership, we talk about leadership as a process. It's not just you got the title and people listen to you. Um, you know, as somebody who, you know, in, a, in any type of academic department, just because somebody's the chair or the boss doesn't mean anybody listens to them <laughs> <laughs> or does what they say. Right? Sure. Uh, especially in higher ed, but it's in true in business as well. Sure, yeah. You got the title, but that don't mean nobody listens. <laughs> right. Um, and so we talk about how you can have influence as a person in here some of that research on those types of characteristics. So the MCU just is an environment where you've got all these, these powerful people that can accomplish things on their own that are brought together for often to accomplish a larger goal. But that doesn't mean they agree or have the same perspective, right? And so those psychological dynamics I think, are really interesting to us. And I think they're really inherent in these movies, even if you don't think about them that way, if you're not in, in our field. So that's kind of the big story of sort of what it, what informed us. Sai, you have anything to add to uh, add to that? Well, we're we're old school nerds, and so a lot of these conversations that <clears throat> Gordon and I wrote about in the book are things that when we were kids and and nerdy about things, you know, you ask yourself like, who's who's the best leader of the X Men? Is it Cyclops or is it Storm? Mm -hmm. Who's the best leader of the Avengers? Is it Iron Man? Is it Captain right. America? Is it somebody else? And so now we have all of this leadership science that we can use to kind of say like, oh, here are some things, the pros and cons of each of these characters. Here's what they're good at. Here's what they could get better at. And it's a lot of fun 
um, you know, it's kind of like nerds that enjoy talking about this stuff. It's really a lot of fun to kind of have this uh, conversation in the book. And that's what we really hope that a lot of the readers uh, get out of this. We really hope that, you know, everyday psychology students can read this and say, especially for IO Psych, because um, sometimes IO Psychology seems very far away from the workplace. I'm hoping that students yeah. can read this and, and other IO Psych practitioners can read this and they can say, hey, this is cool. This is gives me something to talk about. And it'll help me connect ideas from the science to the real world for for everyone. Okay, so give me some examples now. Let's 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 talk some hard hard examples of some good concepts that uh, that Gordon went over, and uh, or 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 we can go the other way, which is characters expressing some of these principles or or concepts. So let's let's hear some examples. So I think uh, we can certainly talk about, uh, you know, my go-to example of a lot of these is uh, of good leadership. Okay. You know, we, when we talk about leadership theory across, you know, uh, psychology and IO psych, generally leadership fits into like two big buckets. One is being task focused. So staying focused on getting work done mm -hmm. because a good leader, if you're leading a team and you're just like, hey, everybody, let's have fun. That's not really great. You know, it, it's not going to help. It might make you popular, but it's not going to be a very good leader. You know, sometimes, you know, if you've seen The Office, you watch Michael Scott, part of the reason he's not he's not a great leader. Uh, he wants to, you know, be friends with everybody, right. but he doesn't want to get the work done necessarily. Yeah. The second part of a lot of leadership theory is relationship building, which is building relationships, communicating, delegating tasks, and then making sure that the environment is conducive to work so that there's actually healthy norms. So the people are actually like following those, you know, following the rules, doing things in the appropriate way. Um, I think my, my favorite leader in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, I think, T'Challa. Okay. I think he does a great job of staying on good task. Good choice. Um, you know, he, yeah, he does, he does a really good job of making sure that he has like a plan. He does a great job of kind of illustrating what that plan is, explaining what that plan is. He gives everybody, especially at the end of Black Panther, he gives everybody a task to do. And he has a place for everybody. One of the best things that he's able to do, one of the things that I think makes him one of the elite leaders in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is he's able to take an enemy and turn that person into a follower. So he's able to take M'Baku, who is his enemy in the beginning. He has this big fight with him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he tells him, like, hey, I need you. you we, we need you at this moment. Yeah. And he's able to communicate a vision, which is a big part of leadership, is communicating this idea, this overarching idea of what he wants to get accomplished. And he's able to bring him on board. The Black Panther lives. And when he fights for the fate of Wakanda, I will be right there beside him. As we lie. I'm in too. What? You're going to need all the help you can get. Are you done? Are, 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 you, are, you, are you done? Could you give me and Lord Mbako a moment? Thank you. I owed you a great debt. A life for a life. Consider it paid. Please allow my mother to stay here. No harm will come to her. I give you my word. You know I could use an army as well. 
I bet you could. <laughs> but no. Um, and then at the very end, he's able to execute the plan. He has uh, everybody in his group, you know, from Everett Ross, who's, you know, an enemy at the beginning of the movie. Um, right. He becomes an ally at the end. He has something for him to do. He has something for his sister to do. He has something for Nakia Okoye. He knows what everybody's going to be doing. Right. And he has this ace in the hole with M'Baku. So he does a great job planning. Right. He, you know, somebody that people really respond to, they really like. And we can see this very often in leadership theory that a lot of times, you know, people think that leaders need to control so much of what happens. But in reality, good leaders are able to give tasks to trusted employees, give them what's called role clarity. They're able to say like, hey, here's what I need you to do. And then you let them do it. And then you provide that support. So uh, I think that's a really good example of just overall just great leadership uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, and Gordon, what's your what's your uh, top example? Yeah, so one of the examples that I like a lot, and it's not perfect leadership, um, but I think it's really instructive is, you know, the path of Tony Stark, Iron Man, okay. through the films as a leader and becoming kind of who he is. Okay. So we've got an early scene in Iron Man, the first one, right, mm -hmm. where you're talking about he's dating supermodels and he's a famous dude. And so you'd expect that Tony's having a great life. He's having a ball. Um, but we find out pretty quickly he's kind of miserable with his life. It's not something he enjoys. It doesn't feel meaningful. And so getting sort of kidnapped and being put at risk, those things are, you know, aversive. And they make him think about the life he's led and realize it's not what he wants. And so we talk about this in the book, talking about authenticity and self-awareness. And so Tony wasn't very aware of what he really wanted. And why was this life not good for him? We gotta go. Move with me. Come on, we got a plan. We're gonna stick to it. This was always the plan, Stark. Come on, you gotta go see your family. Get him. My family's dead. I'm going to see them now, Stark. It's okay. Um, well, it was about this lack of meaning and understanding. And so the, the Iron Man movies and the Avenger movies as well um, are essentially him trying to figure out who he is and what how he can be a good leader that fits with him. And that's what I like here about sort of authenticity and authentic leadership is that Tony doesn't become a saint or a perfect person. Right. He's still a wise ass. He's still kind of a jerk but right. he's himself and i think that that's a really crucial part we miss a lot with leaders is being ourselves, and people understand where he's coming from. and we seem struggle with that across the movies right he talks you know in iron man 3 he blows up all his armors and then i guess rebuilds them three minutes later for the next right. movie he talks it's about all you know, ceremonial oh, we're gonna stop yeah yeah we're gonna stop selling weapons and I'm going to be on the sidelines. I don't need to be Iron Man. But that's not who he is. For somebody else, sure, that might be the right path. But he needs to be out there saving the day, 
helping people, putting his life at risk to for it to be meaningful to him and the type of leader he is. And so when we see his arc across the movies, to some degree, it's realizing that's what he's like and that's what's the right role for him. He doesn't want to be someone in the back office. He needs to be out there and he needs, frankly, some of that attention, right? And so, yeah, he might be a jerk at times, but people know where he's coming from and, and who he is. Uh, and I think that that's something to aspire to, not to be a jerk, <laughs> but to be who we truly are. And people are going to see that transparency, that openness, and it's going to help us to be better. It's not easy. <laughs> Being self-aware is not easy. Right. Um, but when we can do that, we can develop and we can improve over time and be what fits with ourselves as a good leader versus trying to fit a box of being a saint or a perfect person uh, or what we think other people want us to be. So that that's one example there. Again, he's not perfect and he makes mistakes and there's a lot of mistakes we talk about. Yeah. But I think it's a great example. The funny thing is uh, that I'm thinking of here is that it's funny because he ultimately does become sort of a, a sacrificial saint uh, because he sacrifices yeah. himself and then there is much reverence of him afterward, as we see in, in Spider-Man um, yeah. Far From Home. On his own terms for what he wants to do. So right. I, I think him sacrificing himself is not against his his own authentic right, self. Right, right, yeah. It's I, just to sacrifice his, you know, uh, getting out there and doing the thing. He needs to do that. Right, he wasn't, I, he wasn't self-righteous um, yeah. in some ways that you see Captain America being a little a little self-righteous for his own good sometimes because we don't trade lives and he literally ended up trading a life um, with vision at the end. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, you could see the parallels down there and that's why it wasn't Captain America doing the sacrificial thing with, at the end of Endgame. It was, it was Tony. Yeah, I like those two examples there. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to chat a little bit more about uh, the MCU and psychology with uh, Dr. Sai Islam and Dr. Gordon Schmidt. Howdy. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you're enjoying the conversation. Over the past two years, the podcast has grown. And that's mostly in part to folks like you, the listeners. We've also had wonderful luck receiving support from the Society for the Teaching of Psychology, APA Division II Small Partnerships Grant. It's been a fun ride, and we want to keep it going. So we need your help. There are several ways that you can support this show. You can share episodes with your social media networks so we can grab new listeners. You can join our fledgling Patreon program. You can contribute directly using PayPal. Or you can purchase some sweet merchandise with our logo at our Spreadshirt merch store. All of those things can be found on the website cinemasychpod.swanpsych.com. But perhaps the best thing that you can do is to keep listening and leave us feedback on Facebook or Twitter so we know you've listened. Thanks. And now back to the show. And welcome back. We are talking the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, with Dr. Sai Islam and Dr. Gordon Schmidt. Uh, they know a lot about the MCU and psychology. So I'm going to pick your brains 
in this segment on something you said earlier, Sai, you had mentioned we get to see beyond like a trilogy. I think the closest thing that you have outside of the MCU is the Star Wars universe uh, because I don't know if you could get this. The Star Trek films for me, I don't know, maybe a little bit of growth if for the TOS Star Trek, but not not a lot for for the TNG crew. Um, and we can't include their TV shows because it doesn't count. I think we have the biggest arc of Anakin Skywalker across six movies. Uh, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader. But when we have a ton more movies of development and growth in the MCU for a, a lot of characters, we have uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. We have uh, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Captain America. We have Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, the Hulk, um, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow. It just goes on and on and on. Oh, sorry. Jeremy Renner, <laughs> the original Avengers, Jeremy Renner. Poor Hawkeye. Yeah, poor Hawkeye. He doesn't, he doesn't count. He doesn't, <laughs> he he doesn't have any superpowers. We shall not be named, but the TV show is pretty good. So we have Jeremy Renner as um, Hawkeye, Clint Barton, or other way around. And and so we have a lot of these characters being able to grow across different movies, and many of them get that six you see in Star Wars. So what kind of character growth can we talk about for, let's see, we talked about Tony Stark already, and we talked about Chala. So what kind of growth do we see in some of the other major characters in this franchise? So I think one of the one of the characters that a character that I really like, but who doesn't change a whole lot, even though we're talking about character growth, is Steve Rogers, Captain America, okay. right? He kind of starts as goody two-shoes, do-gooder guy, but his biggest change seems to be his his loss of faith in governmental institutions. Sure. Uh, which is kind of funny because he's a, he's a soldier, right? He's known as a super soldier, and this is something we see in the comics, too, where his character a lot of times represents, like, the idealized America. Right, he's the America that we all wish America could be, uh, not the reality of what America is. Right, because he represents that that dream more than anything else. Uh, I think the, you know, one of the biggest things for him is kind of building, rebuilding his life. Watching him kind of adjust to this big seventy year gap mm -hmm. of kind of losing his friends, his family, um, and kind of building those relationships again with a whole new group of of people. Right. And I think this is a consistent theme for him because he's always building new relationships, right? He's got to, you know, build a relationship with Wanda and with the with the kind of rogue Avengers group that he has to join after after Winter Soldier, right. after Civil War. Um, so he's he's got to do that. So that's been that's a really interesting arc that he's got that he gets a new best friend, brings back his old best friend, that those kinds of relationships develop over time. But he himself is a character uh, I don't think he changes too much. He maybe becomes a little, a little cynical about institutions, mm -hmm. but he always maintains his kind of trust in getting the right people together uh, and having the right people on his team and having the right people on his side, which is very IO psychology, right? Where <laughs> you know in IO psychology we talk talk a mm. lot about selecting the right people, yeah. having the right team together, and if you can get those right people together, you can accomplish a lot. It's Pepper. I didn't see it. We're kind of, well, not kind of pregnant. No, definitely not. We're taking a break. 
It's nobody's fault. I'm so sorry, Tony. I didn't know. A few years ago, I almost lost her, so I trashed all my suits. Then we had to mop up Hydra, and then Ultron. My fault. And then, and then, and then, I never stopped, because the truth is I don't want to stop. I don't want to lose her. I thought maybe the Accords could split the difference. In her defense, I'm a handful. Your dad was a pain in the ass, but he and mom always made it work. You know, I'm glad Howard got married. I only knew him when he was young and single. Oh, really? You two knew each other? He never mentioned that. Maybe only a thousand times. God, I hated you. I don't mean to make things difficult. I know, because you're a very polite person. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. No, you don't. No, I don't. Sometimes, sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. But I don't want to see you gone. We need you, Cap. So far, nothing's happened that can't be undone. If you sign, we can make the last 24 hours legit. Barnes gets transferred to an American psych center instead of a Wakanda prison. I'm not saying it's impossible, but there would have to be safeguards. Sure. Once we put out the PR fire, these documents can be amended. I'd file a motion to have you and Wanda reinstated. Wanda? What about Wanda? She's fine. She's confined to the compound currently. Vision's keeping her company. Oh, God, Tony. Every time. Every time I think what you see things the right way. What if 100 acres with a lap pool has got a screening room? There's worse ways to protect people. Protection. Is that how you see this? This is protection? It's internment, She's Tony. not a U.S. citizen, and they oh, don't grant on, visas Tony. to weapons of mass destruction. She's a kid. Give me a break. I'm doing what has to be done to stave off something worse. You keep telling yourself that. Hate to break up the set. Yeah, and I mean, he technically wins on a technicality. Yeah, as I said, a technicality of a defection. So uh, at, during the big airport scene uh, on, in Civil War. So, you know, he did win. But he knows he maybe he had an ace in the hole that maybe he thought, you know, maybe Natal. We had some good times. Um, talking to Zola in a bunker. We had some good times. So, you know, maybe she'll defect. Maybe he had an idea. Haven't you had a friend defect based on what you did in the bunker? I think we've all had that <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a totally normal, totally common experience. I go with what happens in the bunker stays in the bunker, but I get what you guys are talking about. <laughs> so, uh, Gordon, wh uh, what, what character would you pull out here? Yeah, so so this one I feel like is one where I wish we had we could see more of what happened. Mm -hmm. um, but but Black Widow to me is somebody with development that I think is really interesting in the films, and I would love to get Disney Plus TV series on it. Is her development during that five year gap period? Right. Yeah. And so we see here early is like oh she's she's spying on Tony Stark, and she's kind of like the Shield agent on the team. Versus one of the superheroes, right? Yeah. And so very much being like, don't trust anyone. You've got to look out for yourself. There's some discussion. I, um, I think it's in a Winter Soldier related to that mm -hmm. with her and Cap as well of kind of like, watch yourself. Don't be idealistic. 
Um, but what's really interesting, I think, within the films is that when we have this five year gap period, all of the all the dudes that were in charge or potential leaders kind of all go off on their own and kind of give up. Right. Tony Stark goes off, has a family. Right. Uh, Hulk goes off and, you know, focuses on I kind of like he goes off and gets a lot of therapy uh, <laughs> to be a better, better Bruce Banner and Hulk. Uh, Thor kind of has this sort of wallowing in in sort of pity and just feels, you know, I, I would I would argue depression, you could certainly say. Sure. Um, and so all these and I don't know, no one ever thought Hawkeye was a leader. So you just don't have anybody. <laughs> well, he went on. Anything. He went on his. Yeah, killing he had spree. His own, yeah, that's true. He had his own PTSD. Yeah, they they weren't going to send him the letter anyways to be the leader. But still, you know, he had his own thing. And so you've got Natasha here who has to, like, keep the world together in the greatest crisis and negative event that ever happened. Right. Half the population. Yeah. Um, and so we don't see much of it. But when we look five years later, the world is in a lot better place than I would have predicted. People are sad, you know, but we've got, you know, sort of the the memorials up uh, and people are generally doing pretty well, considering how bad the event was. Right. Yeah. And we see her basically being in charge of the Avengers and really this whole world of superheroes. She's the one that sort of people are reporting to and talking. We've got her talking to War Machine and Okaye and Captain Marvel and being like, okay, what do we need to do to keep this running? And I think that that's a really big character arc for her that gets kind of underplayed because of how the arc of the series go. So I think kind of, you could certainly say Captain America's influenced her some, but she also really has stepped up and, and did this and kept the world in a lot better place than I think, frankly, most of the other leaders we saw would have done. Carol, are we seeing you here next month? Not likely. What, you gonna get another haircut? Listen for a face. I'm covering a lot of territory. The things that are happening on Earth are happening everywhere. On thousands of planets. Uh, all right, that's a good point. That's a good point. So you might not see me for a long time. All right, uh, well, this channel is always active. So if anything goes sideways, anyone's making trouble where they shouldn't, comes through me. Uh, and so I'd love to see more of that go on. Uh, and it is an example that we see in the literature, this idea of, uh, you know, you've probably heard of the glass ceiling, of course. Mm -hmm. So women and minorities not getting above a certain level of leadership. But there's also this newer concept called the glass cliff, right? Uh, which you may not be familiar with, which essentially is when things are when times are bad, when there's a scandal, when there's risk, we put women in charge. Uh, and in these situations to try to mix things up or hopefully they'll fix the problem. Mm -hmm. But it means we put them in these sort of high risk, very likely to fail type situations. Yeah. And so talk about one where you're likely to fail the whole world in disarray, half the population missing. Let's finally let a chick be in charge of the event. Right. What a tough situation to put Black Widow in when she really has not had a lot of she hasn't gotten good leadership development per se. You know, Cap has maybe changed her opinion a little bit, but she's has to step up to this. And I think she does great. She succeeds. And I think that's sort of the depressing part is once Ant-Man comes back with an idea to bring people back. She gets kicked back to just another member of the team. Right. All the white dudes that were in charge before they come back now that it can yeah. be fixed. Uh, and so I think it's definitely it's a disservice to her of how that really happens. 
Um, and, you know, it's certainly a criticism we can level at the series. It happens pretty seamlessly in the films. And so you don't think about it unless you're really looking for it. Sure. And so it's really something emergent to us where we're like, wow, Black Widow probably is a really good leader. Yeah. But she completely gets sent to the side, um, you know, in that case. And I think her movie has some sort of that leadership aspects and that development as well, too. Um, but it's a yeah. really interesting character development that I, I don't think you necessarily it's not, you know, signboard posted where, you know, but if you really watch, you can see, oh, yeah, this is a big thing. Yeah, that's a great choice. And um, I'm I'm glad you brought up uh, the Black Widow movie because, I mean, she did get a lot of a uh, lot of she didn't get a lot of time to show but there were there are glimpses there because she's she's capable of of having her own agenda. But yeah, getting the Avengers that uh, uh, when half the population's gone and it was like, oh, I'm sad, I messed up. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then she's like, all right, I guess I'll try to do something. And then she goes in like super hardcore micromanaging mode, right? Wanting to know um, why there was an earthquake. In the middle of the ocean, because as Akoya says, yeah. sometimes there are those things that happen. <laughs> those are that's my yeah, quote. That's that I'd was her quote, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd love, I'd love to see that, right? What, mm -hmm. what's, how did it go? What's that process? And really, the blip period to me is really interesting yeah. because it's not something covered in a comics because nothing quite like that happened. The Infinity Gauntlet, you know, it was like five seconds, people were gone, and then. And no, no, there was no there's so much trauma, whether you're somebody on either side of the blip. Uh, and we've only seen some of that. And just through the TV shows a little there's bit. There's the yeah, there's but I'd love to have a whole series on it. Honestly. The meme that is med making the rounds because I've seen it at least three times in like two weeks um, about uh, how society would have handled the. um you know, after watching the Avengers and Endgame and how society collapsed, I was really hoping the pandemic would. Oh, it didn't, didn't, right? Because it's <laughs> like we're totally screwed, right? Like, oh, that's bleak. Oh, real life is even bleaker. Okay, great, awesome, perfect, <laughs> yeah. love it. Uh, <laughs> okay, so before we wrap up, um, I'm glad we talked about uh, several of these characters and some good site concepts with that before we wrap up i want to know so a lot of people get asked what is your favorite mcu moment no 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 we're gonna do something different for the show go a little against the grain here so gentlemen i want to know what your funniest mcu moment is and by funniest i mean it had to have caused an audible laughter from from <laughs> somebody right so a chuckle a giggle full-on bellyache laugh you know any of those what's your scene uh so i i have one so in in the in black panther when shuri says don't scare me like that colonizer my wife and i cracked up <laughs> <laughs> we could not stop laughing and we talked about it after the movie and laughed again. All right, where am I? Don't scare me like that, colonizer. Because the moment works on so many it levels. Does. Because, yeah, you know, like Everett Ross is there. He's, you know, from the CIA. He w wants the technology ostensibly. 
that <clears throat> that uh, you know Wakanda has. He theoretically could be a colonizer, which is like the one of the big fears in Wakanda. Right. But to be able to puncture the the fear of that with just this moment where, hey, don't, don't scare me like that colonizer. I could not stop laughing uh, <laughs> at that. And, and I also kind of laughed at the gumption that it took to include <laughs> that joke in a big Disney tentpole. Uh, just makes it just made me laugh so hard. Uh, you know, even thinking about it now, it's like, yeah, I'm getting a big smile on my face. I wonder if uh, it was so quick that people just didn't even recognize it. I feel, I feel like she also ad libbed that. I don't I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I haven't looked that up, but uh, or if she said anything about it. But yeah, it is a really funny scene. And I laughed out loud. So great a choice. Cy. Gordon, what's yours? Um, one one that I was really thinking of that, that I love is in Guardians of the Galaxy when they're in the prison and you've got this whole very complex plan where you do these things in this order. And it's it's definitely one of those high scene moments where you're seeing a montage and then everybody does their, you know, oh, we we stole the guy's key and we did that. And you're dressed up. You're in the laundry bin. And and then Groot just does his thing right away when that was supposed to happen like last or whatever right and it's just so funny because it fit the guardians having a perfect plan that runs smoothly <laughs> it doesn't make sense and so it's a really uh, to me guardians has one of the best openings of any marvel oh, movie. For sure. i would say maybe the best the first hour ish is just fantastic uh if you look at the timing there's no bloat early there's a lot of fun we've got these different people together and that just start of the prison plan becomes the prison oh crap we got to do it uh is just is just hilarious uh and just a great way to do that you've got a scene coming up after that where they grab that one guy's leg basically as a joke as well like the whole thing there is just it's just the whole yeah so so Groot starting it off by not doing his part at the right time is just if we're gonna get out of here we're gonna need to get into that launch tower and to do that i'm gonna need a few things the guards wear security bands to control their ins and outs. I need one. Leave it to me. That dude there. I need his prosthetic leg. His leg? Yeah. God knows I don't need the rest of him. Look at him, he's useless. All right. And finally, on the wall back there is a black panel. Blinky yellow light. You see it? Yeah. There's a Quarnix battery behind it. Purplish box, green wires. To get into that watchtower, I definitely need it. How are we supposed to do that? Well, supposedly these bald bodies find you attractive, so maybe you can work out some sort of trade. You must be joking. No, I've really heard they find you attractive. Look, it's 20 feet up in the air, and it's in the middle of the most heavily guarded part of the prison. It's impossible to get up there without being seen. I got one plan, and that plan requires a freaking Quarnix battery, so figure it out! Can I get back to it? Thanks. Now, this is important. Once the battery is removed, everything is going to slam into emergency mode. Once we have it, we gotta move quickly. So you definitely need to get that last. Or we can just get it first and improvise. I'll get the armband. It's just a really funny moment in there, and it just leads to great action right there. Yeah, and they all do so well. And (laughs) the guy who doesn't get enough credit for his voice acting job is is uh, Bradley Cooper as Rocket. 
right? Because he just Rocket's oh, yeah. not there on set. It's Sean Gunn like crouched down to represent his eye level, <laughs> and uh, you know. Bradley Cooper's added in, you know, later and they're just like acting to acting to that and he just sells it so well. Completely different time um of recordings, right? So good. <laughs> you I didn't want his I I was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I didn't think you actually do it. Um, <laughs> my favorite or my uh, the favorite funniest scene, I guess, is what I what I uh, wanted is as really simple one, because my wife is Australian. And so by virtue of geography, she's close to New Zealand. So that's how I'm hopping. This is how the logic goes Um, in my favorite uh, or the funniest scene to me that got an audible laugh, uh, much like you and your wife, Sai. My wife and I got a massive audible laugh when um, Taika Waititi, as Korg, goes to kick the ghost, who was Loki re- uh, just previously, um, talking to uh, Thor as an apparition. Oh, piss off, ghost! I placed a large wager against you tomorrow. Don't let me down. Piss off, ghost! He's freaking gone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that it's to. She heard me just say that and she laughed her ass off. There we go. (laughs) So it's, uh, it kills. It kills a hundred percent of the time. I want to thank Dr. Sai Islam and Dr. Gordon Schmidt for joining me today to discuss the entire MCU. Of course, we went through every single movie and every single character. It's how long would that actually take? Oh my god! So I want um to give you guys a chance to talk about what you're working on, what you'd like to plug, things, uh, places where people can find your work or the work itself. Our book is, 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 should be out by the time this episode comes out. Um, leaders Assemble, Leadership in the MCU. Uh, so you'll see a lot of our discussion about these leadership topics we discussed here. Um, both Cy and I are working on that book on Avatar, The Last Airbender sure. and Leadership uh, that we're writing right now. That's going to be a great book. Avatar is a great series uh, with a lot of interesting different topics. It's definitely pretty different from the MCU and how that goes. Sure. And so really looking for that kind of change of pace and really the idea of learning from like an episode. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a great way to be like, watch a 30 minute episode, learn and read a chapter uh, is really appealing to us and using that for this sort of outreach part. Cause the Marvel movies are long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know they're fun but they're long um and uh, that's something i think that's pretty cool uh with that franchise yeah uh you know both Brian and i are working on quite a few different projects out there you know we're always writing a new research project um and we share a lot of stuff through our twitter yep uh mine is at io psychology uh and i do a lot through linkedin as well okay uh, and my stuff's up on ResearchGate. All right, I will link um all the things he said, listener, so in the show notes. So don't worry about that. Uh, Sai. So other than uh, Leaders Assemble, Leadership in the MCU, which uh, you can find at any bookstore, 
Uh, Gordon and I have some <clears throat> some research on gig economy stuff that hopefully will be coming mm-hmm. out uh, at some point. It really depends on um, revise and re- <laughs> revise and resubmit. Um, and then I have consulting work that's sort of classified uh, due to NDAs, but mostly um, you know developing assessments, you know pre hire assessments, things like that, engagement surveys. Uh, so that kind of work is, is part of my consulting. And then I do a lot of research in qualitative stuff. So I do a lot of research about uh, social social media and comments that people make in on review websites. Uh, I also look at you know different social media sites. So maybe one of my most popular papers on ResearchGate is one about Instagram, <laughs> uh, which was not my idea. It was like a student's idea, and she did a great job with it. And now people are reading it. So you can find my work on ResearchGate. You can find me on Twitter at uh, IOSIIslam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, those are the platforms that I use. Uh, you know, so those are, I, I don't really use Instagram very much. So despite having researched it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely. In, you know, I think Gordon and I both, you can reach out to us on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. We're happy to talk about this. I hope everybody got a sense of the passion that we have, the the fiery nerd passion that we have for both the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe, so. Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, and any other nerd topic that we happen to be interested in. So feel free to reach out. Well, that's perfect, gentlemen. I want to thank you again for joining me. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. All righty, that's going to do it for this episode. Until the next one, thanks for listening.